Tadi. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihin nabiyil karim amma ba'd. Inshallah we're going to continue Kitabul Hikam the book of wisdom by Ibn Atallah rahimallah and he continues and he says Mata talabta iwadan an amalan tulibta bi wujud as-sidq fihi wa yakfi al-murib wujdan as-salama When you seek a recompense for a deed the existence of sincerity in it in it is demanded of you in return. As for the insincere, the feeling of security from chastisement suffices it. From, for the insincere, just feeling secure from the punishment should be enough for him. Yani Ibn Atallah he's saying sometimes we expect good things to happen to us when we're praying. We're worshipping Allah, we're reciting Quran, we're praying tahajjud, now good things should happen to us. Yani we want something in return for doing good. We read about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps those who believe. And then we wonder why we're not getting any help. Have you ever paused for a second and evaluated our deeds? We expect huge returns on low level investments. We expect huge returns on low level investment. For example, some people they invest in absolutely useless penny stocks or coins and they think that they, should, they will become billionaires and millionaires with those low stocks and, and low you know, penny stocks that they invested in. So you have a low investment and expect a huge return. This is our salah. To have a chance of return, the company that you purchase, for example, needs to have value. If you do not get any profit, you consider, and if you do get any profit, you consider yourself lucky and you're happy you didn't lose everything. So those low level stocks, penny stocks, is just based off of luck. You might hit, you might miss. If you get a, a huge return, alhamdulillah, you got lucky. But in general, that doesn't happen. Our a'mal are lifeless. There is no ikhlas, there is no concentration, no khushu, yet somehow we think our a'mal deserves some reward. We do not hold up our end and yet we expect Allah to grant us more. What does this mean? Don't just start praying tahajjud and start reciting Quran with this intention. I'm only reading Quran, I'm only praying tahajjud, I'm only praying these salahs because I hope I get something. I'm just, and as soon as I get that thing that I wanted, that's why I'm praying, as soon as I get it, I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop reciting Quran. I'm going to stop praying tahajjud because I got what I wanted. I wanted to pray that tahajjud, recite that Quran, pray those nawafil for this outcome, for this reward. I got this reward, so you know what? I'm not going to do that ibadah anymore. Our ibadahs, we do them in such a way we expect something in return. But the ibadah we're doing are already not at its par, and it's not at, its, at the level it should be. It's not like we have full concentration in salah, and salatul isha, and our sunnahs, and salatul witr. We're fully concentrated. The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala majma'een were so concentrated in their salah, that one of the companions radiallahu ta'ala, while he was being on guard, an arrow was shot on his back, he didn't even feel it. An arrow was shot on his back, he didn't even feel it. You know when you're playing sports, and that adrenaline kicks in, and you're playing your basketball, you twisted your ankle, but it doesn't matter, you don't feel it, you're gonna keep playing, you're gonna keep playing, you keep playing. You don't feel it, you're not concentrated on it. And as soon as the game is over, and you finally get to take a break, you understand how painful your ankle is. 
I remember when I was playing in a flag football tournament and maybe in the second game, I fractured my thumb. But I was the quarterback. So I had to throw the ball. So for the rest of the games, and we made it to the finals and we lost, unfortunately, even though we were winning by like 28 nothing at halftime, but we unfortunately lost. But I was throwing the ball, playing quarterback. As soon as the game was over, now I get a sigh of relief and we go out to eat and I try to pick up one french fry and I couldn't pick it up. The next day I go to the hospital, I get an x-ray and I realize that I fractured my thumb and I was out for six months. But during the game, I'm still playing and I'm the quarterback too. So it's not like I wasn't using my thumb and I was just standing there as like bait or something. I was actually throwing the ball. But I couldn't feel it. The Sahaba when they were in Salah, they were so focused, so concentrated, like we are in our sports, nothing affected them. Matter of fact, one scholar, he needed a surgery performed on him. So they didn't, he didn't want to take that shot that would make it numb. He didn't want to fall asleep or anything. So he said, let's do this. When I pray my salah, perform the surgery on me while I'm praying my salah. I won't feel anything. I'm so concentrated in my salah that I won't feel the surgery. <coughs> According to the Hanafi school of thought, if you bleed, you will do breaks. So you will not be allowed to do that. But the point is, that was how, that's how concentrated they were in their salah. So our ibadah are not even at that level. It's not even a proper level that it should be done in. Imagine a relationship. There is one side, let's say the husband, who never takes care of his responsibilities, he doesn't take care of his family, doesn't provide for them, doesn't look after them, and instead he goes out, chills with his friends, comes home, and he expects the house to be clean, and he expects to have a, expects to have a warm meal upon arrival. What would the response be of the wife? You don't do anything for me, why would I do anything for you? We're barely doing anything for Allah, and all of a sudden, we're saying, Ya Allah, I want, I want everything right now, because I prayed the Hajjah for the past three days. Our good deeds, the ibadah that we do, those ibadahs are worthy of tawbah and istighfar because we didn't pray them properly. We didn't even pray our salah properly. We need to do tawbah for the salahs we didn't pray properly. That is why some of the ulama and mashayikh say that after you complete your salah, you take a moment and you say, you concentrate. Did I have full concentration? Was I distracted? Was I thinking about school? Was I thinking about business? Or for the young generation, was I thinking about that girl that I wanted to marry? Did I have that full concentration in my salah or not? Then, when you, when you realize you didn't have that full concentration in salah, who do you blame? You blame shaitan. And you do istighfar and you pay two rakats for that salah. So our salah and our ibadat and our good deeds, our good deeds are worthy of tawbah and istighfar. For example, imagine if there is a person, there's two people, and you need some food. There's one person who doesn't give you anything. Then there's another person who does give you, but he gives you the leftover food. He gives you rice with no meat that you can't even eat properly. Or he gives you just the crust of the pizza. He doesn't give you proper food that you can actually eat, but he gave you food. And then you have another person who didn't give you anything. This is the ibadah we are giving Allah. We are giving Allah our leftover ibadah. We're not giving Allah the full meal, proper ibadah. We're giving Allah the leftover ibadah. We would rather not get anything at all. The person who gave you food, it would have been better if you didn't give me anything. If you didn't give me the food in the place, in the first place, that would have been better. So the one who didn't give food, that person is actually better. Because the one who gave you food, it was so pathetic, it was so bad, it was so terrible, that you couldn't even eat it, and you had hope when you looked at the food that you could eat it, now you gained that hope, now you ate it and you lost your hope again. So you're suffering the pain of losing hope again. Ibn Atallah, rahimullah, he continues. He says, 
لا تطلب عوضا عن عمل لست له فاعلا يخفي من الجزاء لك على العمل ان كان له قابلا do not seek any reward for a deed whose doer or the one who was not you weren't the one who performed that deed yani do not seek compensation for an action that you did not do yourself it would be enough of a reward if he even accepts to if even if he even decides to accept your deed in our previous series on radiant hearts we spoke about the need for there to be an appropriate amount of fear in the heart when doing good deeds and Allah mentions this in the Quran إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ مُصَّابِرِينَ أَلَى مَا أَصَابَهُمْ الْمُقِيمَ الصَّلَاءُ وَمِمَّا رَذَكَنَاهُمْ يُنْفِكُمْ in this verse the believers are those when Allah's name is mentioned وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Wajil means to tremble, the heart tremble, yani they're scared or they're afraid. In this context, it refers to a heart which is constantly worried and reminds the heart that I need to do better, I need to improve and improve my ibadah, I'm not doing proper ibadah. Having a heart with an appropriate amount of fear is important because when Allah talks about the people of Jannah and the people of Jahannam, look at what He says. Allah says, Inna al-muttaqeen fi jannatin wa na'eem. The people will be in Jannah, in happiness, in luxury. They will have whatever they want. He continues and Allah says, The people of Jannah, they were such people that before Jannah, they were pe people of Mushfiqeen. Mushfiqeen, they were scared. They were worried that maybe I didn't do my proper salah. Maybe I didn't recite Quran properly. Maybe I didn't do proper ibadah. So before Jannah, the people people of Jannah inna kunna kablu fi ahlina mushfiqeen they were scared so the people of this dunya if we want Jannah if we want Jannah we're scared in this dunya then look at how he addresses the people of Jahannam وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ زَهْرِ فَسَوْفَ يَدْعُوْ ثُبُورًا وَيَسْلَ سَعِيرًا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَشْرُورًا the people of Jahannam are such people that in this dunya innahu kana fi akhlihi masrura in this dunya they were happy in this dunya they became complacent I got nothing to worry about they don't worry about doing better or proving themselves so there are two qualities we all need to have number one khawf and khashya fear of Allah and number two ihsan the drive the constant drive to improve and get better as Muslims, we never settle. We never become complacent. We never say, okay, yeah, we've done enough. We, it doesn't matter if you've been praying tahajjud for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, even in year 21, you're saying, I can make my tahajjud better. It doesn't matter if you let taravi prayers for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, every year you're saying, maybe I can do better this year. We continuously try to improve. When it comes to ibadah, we never say it's good enough. We're going to keep improving. So as a believer, that drive, that constant drive of improving will remain to the day we die. And that khashya and khawf and fear of Allah needs to remain. If you don't have that khashya and that fear, you'll never have the feeling or the need to say that I need to get better. If you already think you're the, better, you're the best at basketball, for example, you're never going to play better. You're never going to get better. You already think you're the best. Whereas if you keep telling yourself, no, I need to get better, I need to get better, I need to get better. And our ibadat, we always need to get better, we never settle. Both of these things are connected. As an appropriate amount of fear is what pushes a person to improve. For example, fear of failing makes a person study harder. Who's going to study for the exam? The one who fears that they're going to fail. I don't want to fail, that's why I'm going to study. I'm going to work hard because I don't want to fail. 
Aisha radiyallahu ta'ran ha she asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about this verse وَالَّذِينَ يَعْتَوْنَ مَا آتَوْا وَكُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَ The believers their hearts will be wajila trembling Aisha radiyallahu ta'ran ha asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about this verse Is this verse referring to the people who sinned and they're scared? They committed too many sins, Allah is going to punish them? The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, no, no, no. This verse is referring to those who do good deeds and they are afraid if Allah accepted this ibadah or not. Wajilat kulubuhum is not referring to those who sinned and fear punishment. Wajilat kulubuhum is referring to those who, good deed, who did good deeds but they're afraid will it be accepted or not. They're always trying to do good and they want to be first in doing good. They don't just sit there and say, you know what, I've done so much ibadah, let me give other people opportunities. No, I'm sitting there, I've done. If anyone could have said that, it would have been a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. During the battle of Uhud and many other battles, the Prophet of Allah وسلم, and the companion of Radiallahu Ta'ala Majmaeen, they will share a ride. So for every three people, there was one camel or one horse. No one just had one, no one had their own horse. They would share. So Al Nabi is sharing a camel or a horse with Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala and someone else, another companion. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala and the other companion said to the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when it's our turn, you can have our turn. You can have our turn too. We will walk the whole way. You can ride the camel the entire time. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that I am in need of good deeds just as much as you. So when it's my turn, I'll write it. When it's your turn, I'll walk. When it's my turn to walk, I'll walk. And when it's my turn to ride, I'll ride. Because I am in need of good deeds just as much as you. Never sit there and say, I've done enough. You see an opportunity to, go, to do good, to do khair. Don't say, you know what, I see an opportunity to donate. I'm going to let someone else donate. I've donated enough time. Let me give another person a chance. No, take every chance you can. These opportunities that Allah has given you, you never know if these opportunities will go away. They want to be ahead. They constantly want to be ahead. They keep wanting to get ahead. As believers, we never want to become complacent. Without an appropriate amount of fear, people become complacent. And we know in sports, especially our Atlanta Falcons, when they were up 28-3 and they thought, you know what, we got this. They became complacent. What happened? You need that fear that they can make a comeback. Come on. Playing against the greatest quarterback to ever play. Ibn Ta'ala Rahimullah, he continues, he says, Anta ila hilmihi ida ata'tahu, ahwaju minka ila hilmihi ida asaita. You are more in need of his forbearance. Yani, you, are, you need his forbearance and patience more when you obey him than when you disobey him. When you need Allah, you need his forbearance and patience more when you obey him than when you disobey him. We all know that we need Allah's mercy and patience when we disobey Him. But if you really look at the deeds that we are putting forward, they are so disrespectful that when we are doing ibadah, we need Allah's mercy at that time too. We're not even doing, we're doing leftover ibadahs. We're not even doing proper ibadah, we need Allah's mercy at that time too. That is why, on the Day of Judgment, we were not asked to enter Jannah through our A'mal. We will say, Allahumma inna nas'aluka min fadlik. Ya Allah, through, your, through your, your grace and your bounty, we ask you to enter us into Jannah. Because our a'mal, they are not worthy enough for us to enter Jannah. Ibn Ta'Allah, rahimullah, he continues and he says, 
ربما دخل الرياح عليك من حيث لا ينظر الخلق إليك سبحان الله ابن تعالى رحم الله he mentions a very beautiful point he says sometimes the desire to show off enters your heart even when you're in a place that no one can see you sometimes the desire to show off enters your heart even when you are in a place where no one can see you oftentimes people believe that riyah is only possible when an action is done for a specific person or in front of others so they know okay yeah i did this i recited in quran in front of all these people i prayed salah in front of all these people i'm showing off in front of these people but Ibn Rahimullah, he mentioned something here that riyah occurs even if an action is being done in a place when no one can see you. How is that? This is because although we have not done that action in front of others, we expect it to lead to recognition or we expect it to lead to a worldly benefit for us. For example, you start praying your tahajjud, no one knows. But do you have a subtle expectation that everything in your life should start getting better or easier? Do you expect a promotion at work or more love from the community because you're getting a fatahajjah? If instead things get better, if instead of things getting better, your life takes a turn for the worse, what would you think? I'm just starting praying my tahajjud, I started reciting Quran, I started doing all these ibadah, why is my life going difficult, why is my life becoming difficult? Would you wonder why all this is happening even though you are praying tahajjud? If the answer to the above question is yes, then that is also a type of riyah we need to protect ourselves. Ibn Ta'ala rahimullah, he continues on this topic and he says, استشرافك أن يعلم الخلق بخصوصيتك دليل على أدم صديق صدقك في أبوديتك. Your desire that people know, your desire that people know your distinction is proof of insincerity in your servitude. Naturally, people have a love of fame and recognition. This is extremely dangerous. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith which is narrated in Jami'u al-Tirmidhi He said, Dhi'bani jai'ani ursila fi ghanabin bi afsada laha min hirs al-ma'i min hirs al-mar'i ala al-mali wa sharafi ridinihi Two wolves free from among the sheep are not more destructive to than a man's desire for wealth and honor is to his religion. The desire for wealth and religion is more destructive than two wolves being let loose among sheep. How do we get rid of this desire for recognition? Number one, always try to give others praise and recognition. Especially when people are praising you. If someone comes and says, MashaAllah, you've done so much work, give credit to those who shared and helped you. Don't take all the credit. No, it wasn't just me. It was my helpers, it was the community, it was the donors, it was the teachers, it was the staff, it was the students, it was all of these people. I can't take this credit by myself. So it was others were involved too. Number two, Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala he used to make a very beautiful dua whenever somebody would praise him. Allahumma la tu'akhidni bima yakulun, waqfilli ma la ya'lamun, waj'alni khayr mimma yadhullun. O Allah, Allahumma la tu'akhidni bima yakulun. O Allah, do not punish me, do not grab me, do not take hold of me because of what they say. Forgive me for those things they don't know about. 
We only see a person's good and khair. But Ya Allah, I have so many sins that they don't know about. وَجَعَلْنِي خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَذُنُّونَ And make me better than they think of me. They think I'm this, make me better than what they think of me. Number three. It is hard enough to have ikhlas even when no one can see you. Posting or sharing your good deeds with others makes it even harder. Try to hide your deeds from others and keep them private between you and Allah. The above three are just techniques. Ibn Atala rahimullah sums out how to get rid of this love and recognition and the next couplets. He says, غيب نظر الخلق إليك بنظر الله إليك وغيب أن إقبالهم عليك بشهود إقباله إليك. He said, make mankind's looking at you disappear. Yani, that feeling that you want other people to see you, make that feeling disappear by being content with Allah looking at you. Make this feeling that you have in yourself, that you want others to look at you, make that feeling disappear by being content with Allah looking at you. Ignore their turning towards you and pay your attention, paying your attention to you by focus on the fact that Allah is watching you, that Allah is turned towards you. As humans, we all feel this need of attention and recognition. This is natural. From the time we were children, recognition for our small actions mattered to us. In this couplet, Ibn Atala is saying that we are looking in the wrong place. Allah's recognition should be enough for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the hadith that if you were to walk towards me وَإِذَا أَتَانِي يَمْشِي أَتَيْتُهُ حَرْوَلَ If you come to me walking, I'm coming to you running. If you take one step towards me, I'll take two steps towards you. What is Allah's recognition? Look at this hadith. How you will find how Allah appreciates those who do tawbah and other good deeds. However, there's two problems. Why don't we feel Allah's recognition? Two problems. Number one, we have not bothered to read and learn how much Allah loves us and how much He rewards us for the smallest things we do. For the smallest things we do, we haven't concentrated and looked at how Allah loves us and how He rewards us for those things. Number two, even if we do learn, we do not have appreciation for the rewards of the Akhirah because we never think about the Akhirah. The Akhirah is secondary in our mind. So we don't feel the appreciation of that reward. That is because we don't like talking about death and the harsh realities of Akhirah. How can we appreciate what Allah is rewarding us with if we don't speak about death and the punishments of the hereafter? <coughs> For example, to teach children the value of food, what do we tell them? To teach children about the value of food, what do we do? We often point out that there are many people in the world who starve. This is because the only way to appreciate, this is the only way that they will appreciate what they have and not feel entitled. Allah is feeding you right now and there's millions He's not feeding. Likewise, we need to understand the harsh realities of the grave and the hereafter. Only then can we realize how much Allah is giving us despite our wrongdoings. And I'll end with this last um, I think we'll end here inshallah So by discussing the harsh realities Of the grave in hereafter Now what do I mean by that? Well, sometimes we just discuss it You know death is real And we just kind of like shove off our emotions 
What I'm talking about is actually discussing, is actually sit together for a moment and just talk about death. Talk about death, talk about the punishments of the hereafter till you actually feel it. Sometimes some, a lot of the stuff that's happening in Palestine, we don't look at it. We don't want to see those videos and those pictures. I just can't take it. Emotionally, I cannot take it. No. Put yourself in a position where you can emotionally take it. And then feel those emotions. Get to that level of talking about death. That level of talking about death, Jahannam, the punishment of the hereafter, where you emotionally feel it. Start making yourself feel those emotions and that emotion will lead you to do more khair and good. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify our hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a pure and a sound heart. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to enter Jannat al-Firdaus. Jazakumullahu khairam. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.